0: running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at lino.com slash javascriptjabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have Corey House. It's snowy in Kansas City. Amy Knight.
1: Oh, it's sunny in Nashville. Hello.
0: AJ O'Neill. It's snowy in Provo. Joe Eames. Uh,
2: hey, everybody. It's kind of snowy and sunny in
0: Bluffdale. Gosh, Bluffdale. Ooh, thriving metropolis.
2: Thriving metropolis of Bluffdale.
0: There we go. Um, I, I guess I'm right between you guys then, between Provo and Bluffdale. Uh, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Um it's it's sunny now in Lehigh so anyway all all the Utahs that's where we are. Um Utahs. Yep. Uh I just want to shout out briefly about the uh JavaScript Dev Summit which is online, free to attend live. You can pay for the videos and all the goodies and freebies that I'm pulling together for that. So check that out. Um Joe, you scheduled this you, to talk about the Framework Summit. So why don't we start off with a little bit of an elevator pitch for that, and then we can kind of move ahead from there.
2: Cool. So the Framework Summit was a brainchild of one of my good friends, uh, Merrick Christensen, while he was helping us organize ng-comp several years ago.
0: Former host of the um, show, or co-host of the former,
2: show. Yeah, yeah, former panelist on the show. Uh uh, when Merrick and I were working together on ng-conf, he sort of had this brilliant idea of, at the time, there was kind of like three dominant frameworks. Um, he said, what if we had like this tri-framework conference? And um, that sort of percolated in everybody's minds. And uh, Merrick kind of backed out of organizing NGConf, conf And uh, things went on. And the that, that idea just stuck in my brain. So I reached out to Merrick and I said, hey, let's make it happen. And Uh, At first, he actually didn't want to do it, (laughs) but uh, I I can tell that story later on. So the idea is uh, right now you can go to a conference, and it can be about a framework. So you can go to ng-conf, you can go to React-conf, you can go to React-Europe, whatever. They're about that framework, and you're going to see talks about that framework, and any talks that aren't specifically about that framework are likely to be about a technology in relationship to that framework, right? There might be a few more general talks or soft skills talks, but... That's mostly what you're going to see. And then you could, or you can go to a general JavaScript or web conference. And in there, uh, you know, and it varies from conference to conference. Some of them have a high percentage of talks about frameworks and some of them have a very low. A lot of the ones that I go to, uh, these more general uh, tech conferences or web conferences, they might have one talk on Angular and one talk on React and uh, four talks on Vue. <laughs> 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 that's the day and age we live in. Um, and and that's, all that, that's all you get to choose from. But the reality is, is that if you're doing web development with a framework, the framework that you choose and that you use is as big a choice and as big an impact on your development as just about any other decision that you can make, right? Other than maybe the backend technology, and even for a lot of web developers, even the backend technology, what are using .NET or Java sometimes has less effect on their jobs. Uh, But it is certainly, it is one of the biggest single decisions you can make, and the, how it changes the face of your development, which framework you're using, is a major thing. And so the, the, then you take it to the next step, which is what if I'm either doing multiple frameworks at my job or I'm interested in learning a new framework, right? Or um, we're going to be implementing a new framework, right? But yet we're still using an older framework. There isn't, is there a conference that's a great fit for that? a person in one of those spots and i don't believe that there is you go to the general ones and say that i'm uh doing angular and i really want to do ember right yeah well i can't convince my boss to send me to ember conf- because that's not what we do at work right but i can convince him to send me to a general javascript conference and go attend the one talk on ember
1: i'm liking right? the way this is going
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh I can't do that. Or if we're using multiple frameworks at work, again, I can go to the one talk about Angular and the one talk about Ember at that conference, and that's all I get. All right. Or if, uh, if I just want to, uh, if, if uh, what, were, what were my three scenarios? I want to learn something new. Um, I'm doing multiple things at work. Right. Those are kind of the, well, those are the core scenarios, right? And the point is, is that I, I care about more than one one framework, or maybe I do a lot of one framework, but I just want to know about the other frameworks. I want to be educated about them. I'm not the kind of person that says, "Hey, guess what? Um, Angular uh, JS, what version 1.1 just came out." And uh, I'm pretty sure that it was actually delivered by Moses after visiting the top of the mountain, and he he brought (laughs) AngularJS down on on stone tablets. So obviously, this is the one and right and true thing. And then uh, three months later, Igor gets up and says, hey, by the way, we are killing AngularJS, and there's going to be a new version, an entirely different framework called Angular, right? Whatever it is, if if you're in a position where you feel like I'm doing the one and only true framework, I'm then... uh, I would say that you you are likely to (laughs) (laughs) to encounter a tough, a tough reality in a few years when you are forced to go and do something else because technology changes, right? So in all those situations, what what conference is there for those people? For somebody who just cares, wants to know about all the other frameworks, wants to learn a new framework, or does multiple frameworks? And that's what the framework summit is uh is going to be. It's lots of talks, all about frameworks. And Uh, The format is unique and what I think is really exciting. It's a two-day conference. Day one is a single-track conference where all the talks are going to be focused on the types of things that apply to multiple, if not every, framework. Talks about change detection in general. Talks about bundling and tree shaking. um, Or talks that at least are about two to three different frameworks, for example. uh, It is funny, as I was we launched this conference and started putting it out there. All, all of a sudden, people are coming up with all these awesome ideas about talks that I just haven't seen uh, elsewhere, which is one person said, uh, hey, I would love to see a talk about shared vocabulary. He says, because uh, somebody at React talks uh, in React says um, render props, and somebody in Angular says uh, template ref variable, and they don't know that they're talking about the same exact thing. Right? And I was like, wow, what a great, what a great idea. And I've, I've had, as I've been reaching out to uh, people, inviting them to come and speak at Framework Summit, they have come up with these awesome ideas about talks that I just never thought we would have. Originally, my idea was like, hey, let's have a talk on change detection and talk on routing. And then we'll have a whole bunch of like, hey, here's a 15 minute talk about this framework you don't do just so you can understand it. And that would be day one. But instead, there's all these awesome ideas for talks that are coming out of the woodwork. And then day two is multi track. And in that case, we can have talks that are specific to a framework. So it might be a deep dive into routing and React. And then the next talk might be a little bit more general. Again, it might be another cross-framework talk, or it might be, hey, here's how to implement Webpack such that you can swap over from Angular to React, for example. right? Or here's how to do React inside of your Angular applications, whatever. So that's kind of the format of the conference and Uh, The other thing that I think is super cool about it is it's going to be up in Park City in October, so possibly during the fall, outside of maybe uh, New England, one of the most beautiful places in the world you can go in the fall, uh, in the mountains, Up seriously, in the mountains of Utah, like you're surrounded by peaks that are 7,000 feet taller than you are, and turning leaves, and just a great place to go, so... Hence the, uh, I, I I specifically chose that place because of the word summit and the name of the conference. I wanted it to actually be somewhere up in some mountains somewhere. So
0: isn't that Summit County?
2: Summit County, it is actually Summit County. <clears throat> a funny story, I had a conversation with a guy saying, hey, I'm gonna be doing a, they were talking about something in Summit County. I was like, oh, I'm doing a conference in Summit County. Turns out they were talking about Summit County, Colorado. <laughs>
0: Oh nice! And we had
2: like a five minute conversation where neither of us were ever talking about the same thing, and it wasn't until two weeks later that I realized we were talking about totally different things.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. One yeah. other scenario that comes to my mind with this is just um, we've we we started out with an old version of Angular, an old version of React, or an old version of something else, or you know we're still on an old you know backbone or something, and we want to modernize, and so this is an opportunity to kind of explore everything. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, like the opportunity for people that are in the decision making process of which framework do I want to use, like literally, where could you go that would be better than this, right? It's focused just on what that critical decision is that you're about to make as to which framework to choose. And to be honest, I also have one other personal goal with this, and that is that I'm often frustrated by people, by religionists, meaning those who feel like, hey, I have found the one true way, and anybody that doesn't do it this one true way is just doesn't realize what truth is right they have they don't they haven't seen the light yet and so i don't like when there i see arguments on the internet about this is better than that and that is better than this so we're going to have this extra strict code of conduct about technology choices and what i'm what i you know hope to see is that we get a lot of people from a lot of various diverse backgrounds not just uh, the the obviously we want to see diverse uh, cultural and socioeconomic backgrounds and Uh, And and various things like that, but also technological backgrounds coming together and being able to see that, hey, the guy that happens to be doing uh, Backbone and loves it is no different from me. He just happens to be sitting in a different seat. And so for him, he's doing what makes sense. And this, the woman that I just met that's doing uh, React and I'm doing, you know, say Angular again, right, or I'm doing Elm, that we are actually we, are, we, we have far more in common than we have uh, in different. So that's, that's a, personally, for me, that's another thing that I hope to get out of this is a lot of people figuring out um, how to not have arguments on the internet over whether blue is better than green.
1: I would love to see like a Q&A at the end of this conference with the different speakers. I feel like that would be even more valuable than a typical q and A. I
2: I like that. I
3: like that. So, Joe, I was also thinking about uh, my experience at other conferences, and one came to mind in particular, which is Fluent Conference, uh, which is out in San Jose. And so Fluent is a front-end-oriented conference that, um, interestingly enough, uh, tries to largely avoid um, getting too heavy on front-end libraries. They try to... typically stay more, think about the web as a platform and and have a lot of talks that are relevant for anybody, regardless of their allegiances to a JavaScript Mm -hmm. framework. Mm -hmm. But one thing that they do that is really valuable is at lunchtime, they have what they call birds of a feather, which is at their lunch tables, they have a sign on different tables for different topics. And so you could walk into the lunchroom and you could see a table for React, a table for Angular, a table for Ember. You could see a table for native web components, table for performance, for security. Of course, the list goes on. Um, But I think that's just the sort of thing that could be particularly compelling um, at your show, too. If you find a way to get the right people sitting at a table together, and um, instead of those buckets that I was just putting you in, thinking more in terms of a table that's thinking about binding or a table that's thinking about builds, but what you have is... A table where you have people from all these different camps sitting down and thinking about their build process together and saying, "Okay, well, in in my world, this is how we do it. In my world, this is how we do it. How can we learn from each other and and, uh, help each other out? Because, yeah, you're right. Those conversations often don't happen because it's almost like uh, it's almost like churches. You know, you you go to a you choose a given JavaScript framework and and you talk to the people that are in your church and you don't really get that much outside of that little experience. So, yeah, that's uh, totally true. Totally. I think those are some of the walls that you're trying to break down here, and that makes a lot of sense to me.
2: Yeah, I think that there's also a lot of echo. You know, but you're, you, you basically said this. There's there's tons of echo chambers that we can get ourselves into, right? And it's nice to get out of those. I, I love going to the general conferences and, like, I sit down and next to somebody who writes the software for an oil well drilling uh, drilling machine, right? It's like, wow, that is something I would normally never get to hear about what technology you use, what language you're using, what challenges you have with that. And, you know, so that's awesome at those general conferences that you can experience this. In this case, it, it would be great to sit, have more opportunities to sit down with somebody that does a framework that I don't like. I'm a huge fan of Elm, but I never get to spend any time doing it. And uh, there's nobody around here that's, uh, there's very few people around here that are hiring to do it. So I don't get to have a lot of conversations with people who actually practice Elm, right? Right. And to be able to uh, go sit down at a table and talk to somebody who does that um, just be a huge uh, opportunity. But I am making notes of your uh, ideas as well, and uh, I'm going to steal them with no attribution whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> So you're yeah. staying on brand then, you're saying? Staying on brand, yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so as an example, there was a talk done as the keynote of React, I'm going to make this my pick at the end of the show, by Evan Ciaplicki, who was the author of Elm. And this talk is all about how oftentimes similar features emerge at the same time in various technologies. And he actually uses biological examples. And I think he's one of the best tech speakers uh, in circulation today, in general. And this for me was just, again, one of his amazing talks. And that's exactly the kind of talk that I want to see, where he talks about how, um, I think it was the virtual DOM showed up in a couple of different places at roughly the same time with no influence on each other. And each had different takes on how it worked. And then he kind of compares it to flight and says, you know, bees can fly and birds can fly. And they use entirely different mechanisms to actually fly. And asking the question, whose wings are better, bees or birds, is not really uh, an appropriate question because you actually have to look at the context of the entire system and see that for the bee system, the bees' wings work the best. And for the bird system, the bird's wings actually are the most appropriate solution. So rather than saying, hey, which one is better, which which virtual DOM is better, whose implementation of the virtual DOM is better, instead the context of the whole matters a ton. Beautiful talk. Absolutely one of the best uh, talks I have seen uh, out of last year's uh, conference scene. So that's the kind of stuff I hope to see more of.
1: I can also see this kind of thing like being super valuable. Like, you know, on the show, we talk about a lot of, you know, the latest and greatest that's coming out, but there is a huge population of people who in their day-to-day are still on like older frameworks. And I can see how going to something like this would be really beneficial for like vetting the different solutions and um, just really like being able to take a deep dive into you know which one you want to pick so like from a even from like a, a manager perspective or business perspective I feel like it would be valuable to send your developers to something like this
2: oh yeah for sure absolutely and there are we don't recognize there there is so much of that right there is so Uh, much code that is being run in frameworks that haven't been released in the last two years or three years.
1: Yep. So I don't know, just as like, I would love to see talks coming from like the perspective of people who have like, you know, started to integrate kind of different, I'll say like mashups of different frameworks and, you know, while it's not always the most elegant thing um, sometimes, you know, in the the business perspective and the day-to-day when you have to keep shipping, like it's really interesting to me to hear how different people have kind of had to like marry different frameworks together in in order to, you know, slowly try to integrate newer technology into their stack, but not stop, you know, production development. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, well, it's not always the most elegant thing. It's kind of interesting
2: how right. people go about that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so Joe, I, I got a question actually for the panel here. So from your guys' perspective, do you see a lot of what I see about the, again, my, my statement about religionists, that there is the one true way? I mean, uh, you guys do all work in different technologies and you have backgrounds in different technologies. Have you seen that as much as I have?
1: Yes. I mean, you kind of like set up the show saying how like this is like the most important decision we're going to make. And, and that's true because we spend a lot of time in it. So that probably further drives, you know, the the need to feel like you made the right decision and, and the need to like, what's the, the buyer's remorse? Like people are going to pick, people mm. are going to really be tied to their decision because they don't want to experience that, that remorse yeah. afterwards. I
0: guess you're well, I mean, like, Oh, go ahead.
3: Uh, I see it a lot too, and I, I was thinking a lot about. I think this was a book that you recommended, Joe. That was uh, why good people disagree on politics and religion. Yeah, um, and, and I think this definitely applies here. Uh, I also look at. It's very difficult for people to hold competing ideas in their head, um, so it's it, it's easy to at some point pick a JavaScript framework, and then you want to feel as though. You, you don't want to question your decision. So it's easier to just anytime you see something that might conflict, just try to ignore that and look for anything that confirms your biases. Yeah, uh, that I, confirmation so, bias. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So and, and I think some people will will deliberately try to avoid anything that makes them feel uncomfortable because there's a recognition, you know, if you're in a job and you like your job, uh, you, you don't want to suddenly have this feeling that the grass is greener on the other side. That's right. the risk.
0: Right. Yeah, it's, no,
2: that's just so
0: true. It's funny because I talk to some people and they never really look outside their framework. And it's not Mm -hmm. that they have any antipathy or anything for the other frameworks. They just don't care because what they're doing is working. And then there are some people out there that feel like they have to champion whatever technology they're using. And, you know, and that's where we get into some of these framework wars that are, you know, these hot fights. And I think I think a little bit of both is healthy just from the standpoint of, you know, if, if it's working for you, yeah, why mess with it? But the flip side is, is if there's a better idea over there, go adopt it. And we've seen this across the frameworks. I mean, all three of the frameworks have pretty much adopted the idea of components from React and virtual DOM from React. And, mm. you know, and so we're, we're, we're all benefiting from this, even if we're not using React proper or, or Preact, which is kind of a slim down React. You know, it, we don't we don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to be any of those things and we're all getting the benefit. So, you know, on, on one hand, if you like sort of the opinionated way that Angular makes you do things or the slightly less opinionated way that Vue makes you do things, then, you know, then you can be happy there and you're benefiting from somebody looking over the fence and saying, I like that. I'm going to steal it, um, you know, and having discussions with the people on the other side of the fence and saying, how does that work? So uh, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping this fosters more than anything else is just the idea of, oh, well, I sat down with an Ember person and an Angular person and a React person and a Vue person and a Backbone marionette person and talked to them about my problems. And they talked to me about their problems. And now we're all going to go back to our respective camps and we're going to do awesome stuff because we inspired each other.
1: You might have to have like meditation in the middle of the breaks or something just so that, because all that stuff is, I feel like you have to have a level of self-awareness to be able to kind of straddle the line and and not get too That's emotional fair. about it.
0: Right. <laughs> a few paper bags for people to blow uh, breathe into. <laughs>
2: so a couple of years ago, I started this uh, sort of self-discovery study on uh, unconscious bias and gave a, ended up giving a talk. It was a, a lot of it was just some general stuff that I've been doing and getting more interested in, but then I gave a talk on it. And one of the things that that's opened up my eyes to is seeing my own unconscious bias towards Angular, which actually really frustrates me. It frustrates me every time I feel an unconscious positive. I mean, it's as, it's as bad as a negative bias against something else to feel that unconscious positive bias where I say, oh, I'm going to prefer one thing simply because I guess I just, prefer it like what's the what's the value or benefit of that to me as a critical thinker and trying to be a neutral a person who makes the best decisions uh based on everything and not just the fact that uh i guess i because i do angular and i've done more angular than anything else so that that's somehow the better choice like i don't want to be thinking that in my head and i see that happening to me all the time And so for me, this idea is just near and dear to my heart of getting myself uh, exposure to, man, I've been programming for 22 years. I've gone through so many technologies. Angular just happens to be the current technology that I'm doing more of at the moment, right? But it's going to change and it's going to be different in a few years. And so having this, even a positive bias, any kind of unconscious bias doesn't serve me in the present and it will not serve me in the future.
0: I agree with you and disagree with you at the same time. I mean, to a certain degree, it's, you know, yeah, you know, it shouldn't keep you from trying something that's going to, you know, be better for you later on. But the flip side is, is that I have people that still get on my case there. You know, I start a new project and I build it in Rails and people are like, well, why are you building it in Rails? There's so many new things out there for you to try. And the answer is, is because I need to get some crap done fast and Rails is the way I know best to do it. So it's not that there isn't a better way to do it. It's just the time it would take me to learn how to do it the other way and then do it. uh, I'm more interested in time to market. And so I'm just going to go launch with what I know. This episode is sponsored by Codacy. If you want to improve code quality, prevent bugs, and secure liabilities for making it into your production and at the same time speed up your code review process by 20%, then you need to try Codacy. Codacy makes it easy to track code quality and code coverage and to identify and fix issues by automatically checking your commits and pull requests against all the most widely used static analysis tools. Codacy helps build great teams that build great software. So join companies like Delivery Hero, PayPal, Samsung, and more, and try it for free through GitHub or Bitbucket. If you use the code JSJabber at checkout, you will get a 10% discount. That's codacy, C-O-D-A-C-Y dot com.
2: Right, but th- in that case, you're making a judgment call, like yes. a conscious judgment call. Right, what you haven't done is said, um, I probably could actually get this done better and faster in some other technology, but I'm just going to do Rails because I like Rails. If you're actually going against what seems to make more sense, that is where your bias. That's where bias yeah. comes in. That's fair. right. Uh, not being just not being unbiased. Right. If you can be unbiased and say it's not, you know, by. Bi- part of the decision making should absolutely be and I think that this is one of the biggest critical factors that should choose what framework you do at a company and that is what do the people want to do and what do they know right that should be the two biggest choices and outside of that should be um if if those things don't lead me to a clear choice then I look at other things like technology like nuances in the technology Right. Mm -hmm. But those should be, you know, all things being equal, if you if you have to do a very um, SEO driven site and you're doing something that doesn't have server side rendering, you might be making a fairly critical mistake. Or if you need um, a very mobile friendly site and yet you're maybe doing something in a technology that doesn't support good integration with mobile. Right. That could be a problem. But I'm talking about like those those scenarios where it's choices A and B are pretty equivalent. And we make these choices all the time on A versus B, not on um, rational decisions, but out of just uh, our heart.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. And the other thing is, is unless we put ourselves in a position to have our biases challenged, we probably won't challenge them. And and so hopefully you get that from a conference like Framework Summit. Right. So I'm, again, I'm all for
2: somebody just focusing on and it, becoming an expert in one framework and not spending much time with other frameworks. I'm, all f- I'm not opposed to that and don't think somebody's making a mistake. But as you have opportunities to expose yourself to, to new technologies, I mean, we live in, a, in an industry where things move fast and we got to spend some time sharpening the saw and part of the sharpening that saw can be exposing yourself to other frameworks and how they do things. I really enjoyed my forays into Elm. I really felt like it opened my eyes wide so that when I finally heard about Reason ML, I was like, now I can see why that would be such a huge thing for the React community and why a lot of people are really liking that. Because I saw the same out of Elm, which is very, its language is very close to Reason ML. Um, I can see why people are loving that because when I looked at Elm, man, I thought this is great.
1: I would also say like for newer developers, I would say like it's almost, I don't know, like you do want to pick something and and get you know, fairly decent at it. But once you feel like you have, you're never going to necessarily master something, but once you feel like you have a pretty good grasp of something, it's like when you're new, I feel like it's vital to explore other things because that's like, that's how you keep your learning going and and you don't stagnate.
2: Right. Yeah, totally true. And getting your, that's another thing is that when you're new, Sometimes having a, a, a five foot deep knowledge about a lot of things is can be very beneficial to you, right? Uh, you're, you're still waiting on that job. So when you go into an interview, you don't want to have to have somebody say, what do you think of react and not know what react is, right? You want to be able to have that little bit of knowledge. And so, again, I think that this is an opportunity, this kind of a a conference is an opportunity for people that are junior to get a wide exposure so that they just understand things. Another thing that I feel like is a huge opportunity is for people that feel like they are getting to the expert level in their framework to actually dig deeper into their framework by looking at other frameworks. So, for example, one of the people that I am inviting to speak, he has read the change detection source code in Angular, React, and Vue. And so I'm inviting him to come and speak on change detection across those three frameworks. And if you think you know your framework pretty well, but you actually haven't read the change detection code in it, right? All of a sudden, here's, a, here's an opportunity to dig to a deep to a level that you haven't been before. And then to compare how that works with the other frameworks, right? Like that is just a huge uh, one-up on your, your game. Huge one-up on your game. Yes. Yes. So there's another uh, aspect of this that I am a big, huge fan of. As I was looking around, I, I ended up. I, I like reading the uh, blogs by a uh, uh, signal. Is it signal versus noise? Is DHH and thirty-seven signals blog? Yep, I think. Yep. Yeah, they recently announced a framework called StimulusJS.
0: Uh, I was I, I was going to submit a talk on that.
2: <laughs> cool. Cool. So I, I'm I'm actually going to try to re- reach out to DHH and beg and plead for him to come and talk about stimulus or send somebody from 37 signals to talk about it. But it's a, you know, there's, there's this new framework that not a lot of people are going to get exposure to unless you're already in the rails world. And they've got an entirely new way of thinking when the virtual dom was first put out, nobody had really been thinking about things that way. And when people started talking about here's the virtual dom and how it works, like minds were blown for those who were able to, you know, live through that time of like, wow, what a great idea. Right, and so even though stimulus may or may not be something that you feel like is better, these guys are looking at this problem from new eyes and a new standpoint, and we can only you know get better by being exposed to new ideas. So I'm really excited to have something like this. Where it's, stimulus is basically like framework light. You don't store your state in the in the browser the way that you do with the bigger frameworks like uh, React and, and Vue and Elm and angular the, the I, I mean i'm probably not doing it justice giving it the elevator pitch but it's it's mostly for the server-side ra- framework renders like uh, rails to deal with but also get the kind of interactivity on the client i mean that's been one of the big complaints that people would say about rails as well yeah these longer page refreshes just don't work and i need more uh Fidelity on the client and stimulus is this way to have that fidelity in a in a framework package without Having to go full on with some full framework like angular or react So I'm really excited for stimulus and just to hear their ideas and how they've solved their specific problem I mean react is Facebook's solution to their problem Mm -hmm. and happens to work for a lot of people stimulus is 37 signals solution to their problem And it potentially could solve a lot of other people's problems as well. So I'm excited to see things like this uh, come out of the woodwork. And hopefully over the next few years, we see all kinds of really new and interesting ideas that just don't have a lot of platform in other places.
0: Yeah. And just to throw a few things in here. So we've had David on Ruby Rogues a number of times, clearly because it's Ruby on Rails and and Ruby. But uh, yeah, he talked at length. We did an episode right around Christmas last year. So if you want to go hear a little bit about... uh, about Stimulus, it's in there. We talked about all kinds of stuff. We just asked him all the questions that we wanted to ask him. But yeah, you can go find more information about it there. And, cool. and if you need to get a hold of him, I'll I'll put you in touch with him, Joe. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think one other thing just to put out there is that there are still a lot of people using jQuery. And I'm not saying oh, yeah. like that, like, oh, gee, there are a whole bunch of people that are still doing it the old way. No, it's just, it's, the reality is, is there are a lot of people that are managing the DOM with jQuery. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so why not cover some of that as well? Yep. Yep. Um,
2: I had a conversation with a guy who's well known um, for being a non-framework person. Not that he specifically proposes not using a framework, but he's tried to keep himself as not specific to a framework, right? And I've, I've had conversations with him about coming and presenting a talk, which is about um, not doing a framework. Right. What would it be like to either not do framework or some variation on something uh, like that, right? Just the more viewpoints, the better. We can, the more that we see, the more that we get exposed to, the better we can choose and make our decisions based on, uh, you know, better realities. And like, that's one of the awesome things about having AJ on our podcast, right? Is AJ has some pretty um, fringe Opinions about some things, uh, which is awesome. We would be definitely a worse podcast if we didn't have AJ's viewpoints on this podcast. El Frijolero, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call me, the <laughs> Fringester.
0: Yeah, but you the thing—the thing is—is thing is it's not based in some like, oh, well, I just feel this way because I feel this way. No, it's based in your experience, and that's that's the powerful thing with a lot of this.
2: Yeah, that's why I feel this way. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's those kinds of viewpoints benefit our listeners a lot more than, uh, you know, me and Corey all nodding, both nodding our head and saying the same thing over and over again to each other back and forth in our little echo chamber.
0: Yep. Or just talking past each other. Well, React. Well, Angular. Well, React. Well, Angular. Right. One other thing, just to to bolster that point a little bit, when we talked to Sasha Grief, about uh, state of JS, uh, the the largest uh, framework in use was React. And the next biggest one, I think, was no framework. Right. And so there are a lot of people out there not using any, strictly speaking, any framework.
2: Right. Yeah, there's just so much going on outside of what our little tiny bit of exposure to the community is, you know? Yeah. Just so many, so many more things that are actually going on again, how many, how often do you think about the developer that's writing the embedded software for an oil drilling machine? Right. And yeah. the challenges that, 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 that she's facing.
0: Well, and, and that's I most of my day thinking about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the thing too, right? Is you go talk to them and it's not just, oh, well, I'm not using a framework. Oh, well, that's interesting. Let's talk about something else. No, then you can dig into the the problem and why, and why do you think about it that way? And and, and challenge, you're thinking not just about, oh, well, maybe I should be using no framework or React or whatever. It, it really right. is, oh, okay. How, what's another way of thinking about the same problems that I have? Right. Yeah, exactly.
2: It's so interesting to see two people solve the same problem in two different ways. There's so yeah. much to be learned uh, from from that situation as well. So there we go. That's the framework. So in a, a 30, what, some odd minute nutshell, 40 minute nutshell?
0: Yep. Well, I'm planning on going. I mean, it's half hour from my house, so.
2: (laughs) Good. I'm planning on having you be there. Cool. Yeah, and I'm really, I'm really excited. And another thing that I to go over one other aspect of uh, the framework summit that is a little bit unique. Uh, I've organized quite a few different conferences, and the framework summit is definitely unique. Is it has by far the biggest, most diverse organizing team of any conference I've been involved with, and I've been involved with some conferences that have bigger. Organizing teams, but not nearly as diverse. So, uh, you know, on the organizing team, I've got John Pop and Dan Wallen, who have sort of these classical uh, C-sharp.net backgrounds. I've got Tyler McGinnis, who is a big name in the React world. I've got Sean Larkin, who's a Webpack guy. Um, Sarah Drasner, who's done tons of animation and is now heavily into the Vue world. Tracy Lee, who did a lot of Ember and now does a lot of just various general stuff. Uh, myself. Sonny Leggett, who uh, does the logistics for uh, uh, a lot of different conferences and diversity uh, stuff. Merrick Christensen, who's uh, a local Utahan and makes a very significant yet very quiet contribution to the community. And I'm definitely missing a few people. Murphy Randall, who is a big uh, Elm organizer. And then David's, Dave Smith, who was a Utahan and now is a Bostonian. And uh, we moved away from doing JavaScript. He's doing something else now over at uh, Amazon, uh, working on the Alexa team doing AI stuff. But we have I, 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 have, I really like that we have this very diverse organizing committee and very large organizing community to help direct how the Framework Summit is organized and how it's put together. So that's another thing that I'm really happy about.
0: Nice. So I guess one, one last question is, is the CFP open? Can people buy tickets? Where is all that stuff?
2: So, if you just head over to, if you, if you just Google Framework Summit, you'll get right to it, but it's frameworksummit.com as well. The CFP isn't yet open. Um, I didn't want to just leave it open for like four months because the, the conference isn't until October, right? Yeah. So, this is October 2nd and 3rd. So, there's quite a while. And while so, we're going to open up the CFP, I believe, somewhere around May 1st, and it'll be open until like the middle of June, something like that. So I want to have plenty of people to see the thing, see the concept, and then just get their brains noodling on, oh, wow, that opens up my eyes. Because I've had so many conversations where I say, here's my idea. And then somebody would say, oh, you know what would be awesome? Right? And it, it just mm-hmm. spawns that. Oh, this isn't just the same thing that I've I can choose from twenty different places. This is something entirely unique, which gets my creative juices running. And now, wouldn't it be awesome to have this? I've been thinking about this. Wouldn't it be awesome to have this thing that I would never, you know, nobody would have thought of before? So I want to give people plenty of time to have uh, to be thinking about this before we open up the CFP. But you can register to get notified for, for when the CFP opens on that site as well as just uh, register for updates. And when we are adding uh, speakers as well, we will have the CFP, but we've got quite a few speakers already lined up that have been uh, invited speakers as well. So you can go over and check it out. And we've got representatives from uh, all the major frameworks. Uh, the one framework that I have yet to lock down a representative from is React, but uh, that's going to be I'm I'm just, I'm still having those conversations with them to get somebody but we got one of the developer advocates from the angular team we've got one of the creators of ember is coming uh one of the two core two core contributors for elm is coming um we got one of the core team from Vue, chris fritz so um we have representatives from at least all the popular today's frameworks and i'm hoping to get representatives from more and and on day one everybody that represents a framework will have like Fifteen-minute keynote, sort of talk about the state of their framework, and again, I could just get everybody else up to date on to where this framework is, if if you don't happen to follow it closely.
0: Cool. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, I know that some of us have a little bit of a time crunch. Is there anything else that we should hit before we get to picks?
2: Uh, no, I think I've I think I've covered most of it. So.
3: Joe, I've got to say that's a crazy list of people. This is gonna be an awesome
2: event. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> come together here. Okay. Yeah. Are you are you looking at are you talking about the organizing committee or the speaker list? Well, both. I mean yeah.
3: it's it's going to be a conference unlike any other. I just can't think of when all those diverse minds have been together at one conference. I mean, where where else where would that happen? So right. this
2: is back in this the days.
0: <laughs> Redcarpet.js. Yeah,
2: I'm really excited. I feel like I've been very blessed in the conference work that I've done that I've gotten to participate in some pretty amazing things. And I'm, and, uh, you know, more amazing things are happening as well. Something I can't make I can't speak to quite yet, but there's even more amazing things happening beyond just the framework summit that are, are super exciting to me. And uh, I, just, I just love this world. I love the opportunity to put together an event where people show up and get educated and have those hallway conversations that change their lives, you know. Um, I've, I've just heard these crazy stories of people saying, I came to this event and it radically inspired me to go off and do this thing, you know. I just I absolutely love that. So I'm really excited. The Framework Summit has definitely been near and dear to my heart for many years. I'm super excited to see it come to fruition. Nice.
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. For you, the listeners of JavaScript Jabber, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code Bridge Ten for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month, I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles... Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings um amy do you have some picks for us
1: i do uh so the first one it's been forever since i did any kind of like health fitness food related pick so i was at fresh market this past weekend and i'm a huge tea drinker uh, but there's this brand called Republic of tea and they have, um, like little like packets that you can mix in instead of like just regular tea. They have like turmeric ones and, um, I think they have like a matcha one, but I hadn't seen this one before. It's like an apple cider vinegar one, but it actually tastes really good. So it's not like super potent, like just taking a straight shot of apple cider vinegar, but, uh, it has, I think it's like cranberry flavored anyway. So it was really, really good. it's from Republic of tea. And I'll put a link for that. And then uh, my programming related pick, somebody shared this in the Slack channel the other day. And I feel like I've heard of it before, but uh, it's called The Way of Testibus. And <laughs> it's just like a funny little p- uh, PDF on uh, testing and why you should test. And it's like a young programmer talking to like a more advanced programmer about the value of testing. And since that's something I think super strongly on, I was going to share that <laughs> and that's it for me.
0: Awesome. Corey, what are your picks?
3: Uh, so I have uh, an interesting pick that I found from the show Fun Fun Function with MPJ, uh, and I tweeted this out recently. Uh, it is, I believe, pronounced Quaka. It is Q U O K K A. And what it is, is a, basically a way to have a REPL within VS Code. You can take a plug in there, and then what you do is you just start it up, and it files up it fires up an untitled file, and you start writing JavaScript, and every keystroke that you make, the output is displayed down at the bottom in your terminal, but it's actually displayed in the output tab instead. So it's like a REPL on steroids, because you don't have to go jump over into Chrome. Um, it, run, it runs and parses your code on every single keystroke. Uh, so, it's a slick way of just trying out ideas. Uh, and it already has a uh, Babel hooked up behind the scenes that apparently supports TypeScript. I'm still learning this, but uh, it's well worth looking at. So, I guess it's called Quaka, unless
2: anybody on this call knows how to actually pronounce the darn thing. What's funny is the word is so familiar to me, but that technology actually sounds new. So, I totally, when you were talking about what, what about Quaka and the word, I was like, oh, I, I know that. And then you said <laughs> what it was, and I was like, I don't know that. Or not. Yeah. All
3: right. I'll, I'll share the link in the notes, but that's my pick.
0: Awesome. Uh, AJ, what are your picks? Uh, my first pick is going to be dinosaurs. I'm picking dinosaurs
2: because they are now oil. The classical states of matter are solid, liquid, and gas. Dinosaurs were once solid. They became liquid, and now they are gas. And that helps me get from A to B. <laughs> now, AJ, you, you do know that most of oil is like plant matter, right? And it's not mostly
0: dinosaurs. <laughs> You're going to hurt his know, feelings.
2: What
3: I know,
0: Joe, is that
3: the closest positive <laughs> to. to the T Rex that we have today is the chicken. And I don't know whether to be upset at God or science about that,
2: <laughs> but I'm upset at someone. And that's all I've got.
0: All right. Fuel for your car and fuel for your belly.
2: And the song Cough Syrup by the band that does that song. Yeah. Pick that
0: one. <laughs> Nice. Cool. All right. Uh, Joe, what are your picks?
2: Uh, so I just want to have that one pick, the the talk that I mentioned before, Evan Chaplicki's talk, Convergent Evolution is the name of the talk from React Rally. So if you go to YouTube and, uh, I think if you just hit, look for Convergent Evolution, you'll find it. There's also going to be a link in the show notes as well. Um, but that was, it was an awesome talk. Um, and I feel like it's one of those ones that would be awesome for everybody to take a minute. It's a it's 27 minutes long to take 27 minutes of their life and watch it. Very educational. So that's my pick.
0: Awesome. So somebody mentioning a song that reminds me I found the funniest thing. turns out that uh, the guy who did it is uh, somebody I went to high school with, but uh, he, his name's uh, Dustin Christensen. He was on The Voice and uh, he sings this song, I Parked Out by the Lake. And it, he just sings over and over again, I'm parked out by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe. And I parked out by the lake. Anyway, it's 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 pretty funny. So uh, I'll put a link to the YouTube uh, video that I found of that. Um, he he was kind of a goofy guy in high school too. But anyway, that was uh, funny and uh, pretty fun to just kind of go, oh oh, I actually know this guy. Um, and then another pick that I have, um, I just changed up the look and feel of devchat.tv. Um, I was I was up like all freaking night doing it, um, but I think it looks a lot better and it's a lot more uh, friendly for search engines and stuff. Um, the uh, the page or the the WordPress theme that I'm using is called Newspaper and I got it on ThemeForest. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a, a clean uh, bare bones thing, but um, it allows me like on the front page to put up like a grid of all of the shows, which is what I have there now. I'm working on getting some other grids up of like the most recent episodes and things like that. So uh, we're gonna be pulling all of that stuff together and uh making the website just that much nicer so anyway um yeah those are my picks and i guess that's all we got i'm rambling now so we'll wrap this one up and we'll catch everyone next week sweet peace bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit dot com to learn more